You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can hit me at Ryan Dengle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I am joined by Patrick Sheldon. You can read Patrick Sheldon on DeWitty City as part of the Fan Sided Network. You can find him on Twitter at P underscore Shells. I'm also joined by Jack Wright. You can find him on Twitter at Bear Down Jack. We are also joined by that assistant editor of Bears Wire, Brendan Shagru. You can find him on Twitter at Brendan Shagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Boys, we'll talk about that god-awful debacle, bad, bad football. That was like a preseason team playing against a regular season team, and it really hurts because it was the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. But more importantly, I want to know, how was your Thanksgiving, boys? It was it was really good. Thanksgiving is easily my favorite holiday. I love the week of Thanksgiving, just knowing families coming into town. We got to see my extended family for the first time for Thanksgiving back for the first time in two years, really. I'm sorry. I'm very distracted by Patrick Sheldon, who's wearing like a turnover chain right now. It's a bear's (laughs) chain. Look at that. If only you could see us. But anyway, no, my Thanksgiving was great. It, It was fantastic to watch good football, some fun football, be with family, uh, just being at my uncle's place in Northwest Indiana. There's not many great things about Indiana, but my uncle's house is where he has an indoor pool, a sauna, and just an awesome, awesome layout. So yeah, it was a good time. Pretty sweet. So Shagru, I got to ask really quick, the best dish of the evening, what what it, what was it and who made it? Oh boy. Um, it's tough. I, I, I think it was the cornbread. And I can't remember who made the cornbread because I, I just not really sure. I was going up, getting food, seeing people. I think my, uh, I think it was my uncle and his girlfriend that made it. So I, my, I'll shout him out. I don't know if I'm right, but that stuff was really good. But really, I don't know how you guys feel. There's really no bad Thanksgiving option for me. I'm eating everything that's on the counter and putting it on my plate. I, there, you can go no wrong on this holiday, I think. Sheldon, what about you? What was the the best meal served and did you have a good one? I'll start with the second question. No, we actually, unfortunately, didn't have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, The sickness, the crud made its way through our entire house and all three kids over the course of the last 10 days or so have had um, bouts of vomiting. It must have been something we picked up in uh, Atlanta, Um, but it was a uh, it was kind of a um, a sour Thanksgiving. We had to cancel our plans, and uh, in between taking care of sick kids, we threw down a little bit of food. But um, we still made most of the food we planned on making, even though um, it was sort of last minute because we were supposed to go to some family's house down in uh, in Georgia, and that didn't happen. So um, we kind of threw it together last minute. But uh, I make a andouille sausage and cornbread stuffing every year. That's really good. Um, and so I ate a lot of that and, uh, 
And uh, it was nice to just kind of hang out, relax, I guess. But um, I, I agree with you, Sugar. Thanksgiving's up there with my favorite holidays. It's just, it's like Christmas without a lot of the the hustle and bustle. Could not agree more. J-Dubs, what about you, buddy? You know I have strong opinions about my love for Thanksgiving. It's easily the best holiday there is. Football, fun, family, some board games, delicious food. Guys, I had the best 24 hours. I'll try to be quick. So first, I do movie education with my kids. I show them movies throughout their lives that I think are like age-appropriate, classics from our time. We I love watched... that you do that. Sorry. Thank you. No, that's okay. Thank you, Ryan. We watched The Green Mile, and then we followed that up with really number one on the list. I've been waiting a long time to show my kids The Shawshank Redemption. So those two movies just back-to-back. I was, It was just it, – it's so – it's hard to describe how fun it is to share those movies, those moments with the kids. Woke up early the next day, uh, played some uh, turkey bowl football uh, with some guys at a schoolyard uh, locally. Had a blast. My my two sons played. My nephew played. I played. I'm still sore. And then uh, <laughs> I was going to ask, what's the injury situation looking like? <laughs> the first year I played, I pulled a hamstring. I didn't warm up. I thought I was that you know cool guy. Now I warm up for like 30 minutes. <laughs> I pulled a hammy on the first play that one year. So I warm up now. And then uh, the food. So I can't choose a dish because I freaking love the combination of mashed potatoes, stuffing, uh, this time um, deep fried turkey and gravy. That, that, that combination is my happy place. How about you, Ryan? Uh, before, before we go any further, just because you brought it up. Okay, boys, just as a, a little trivia. Do you know... The writer for both The Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption. Do you know who who did it? I'm going to say, okay, Jack is shaking his head yes. Shigru, what about you? Do you know? So, no. <laughs> I guess you do. You definitely do. You just won't expect it to be this guy. So, Shells, you want to get, get you want to give it a shot? Yeah, is it Stephen King? It is Stephen King. He wrote oh, yeah. both, ding, he wrote ding, both ding, stories. Ding. And Frank Darabont, the director, uh, it's he directed both of them. He really, really, really wanted Tom Hanks to be Andy Dufresne, but he turned it down to play what movie, boys? Forrest Gump. For, let's go, Jack Wright, in <laughs> Fuego. Let's go, Great absolutely. Movies. So, yeah, he finally got the cast he wanted. We're not talking about football at all, boys. Uh, Thanksgiving, we hosted. It was a blast. Uh, I got to make my favorite dish. It's, it's baked spaghetti, but it, it sounds really simple, but it actually, it takes quite a few steps. It takes a while. And I just, I was really thrilled with it. Sometime if you boys make it out for a, a, an afternoon at Casa de Dangle, I will make you a baked spaghetti and you will be big fans of it. I promise you. All right, boys, we, we got to talk. Bears football, unfortunately, after that just terrible, 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 terrible football game. So my quick question to all of you boys, can you remember a game that you just wanted to be over faster than this game in the last two to three seasons? Yes. Week 18 last year against the Vikings. Easily. God, just the end of the Matt Nagy era, Andy Dalton, just get it off my TV screen, please. Yeah, you hit it. Every every game Andy Dalton started. Watching Andy Dalton get sacked at the end of the game for the Saints today reminded me exactly of what both of you have already said. I was thinking to myself, I'm so glad that dude's not our quarterback anymore. <laughs> I It's when our quarterback, like the Chicago Bears starting quarterback goes down, I don't want to watch the football game anymore. 
What universe is this, boys? For once, the backup quarterback is not the most popular guy in town. It is it's a dawn of a new era. For a few people on Twitter, it was. All the the, the tweets that, oh, Trevor Simeon's better than Justin Fields. Bro, sit down. Yeah. No. We're going to talk about them later. Yep. (laughs) Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 68 years. With six barbers and open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, they have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. If you still want to get an appointment for the holidays, you probably should do that yesterday. And if you're listening to this now, you should do it now. Book your appointment right away. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. So, Brendan, last week, Jack and I tried tried really hard to keep the show afloat and i think you know jack did a really good job and i was really thrilled with with you getting some time in which to to talk some of the x's and o's a little bit you didn't get super technical but you definitely got into some of that jack and i and i was super appreciative of that i don't think we do enough of that sometimes but the thing that i missed most and you heard it in the last episode brendan i missed your breakdown let's hear it baby Real quickly, I do want to say I appreciate you guys shouting me out. I was on a like legitimate 6 a.m. flight, Eastern time, 6 a.m. flight, mind you. And I was half asleep and I heard you guys singing my praises. That was very nice. So I wanted to just give you guys a shout out. Is, but is there enough- another time? What? No, dude, central time zone zone is the GOAT time zone. I will fight you on that later, my friend, because we got to break this game down. We go to the Meadowlands in New Jersey as the Chicago Bears faced off against the New York Jets, and the game might as well have taken place at the Jersey Shore House in the late 2000s because it was wild and wet party filled with an explosion of white Dash Simeon. Mike, the situation white, said, yeah, buddy, when he found Garrett Owen Wilson to go up 7-0. Wow, the Jets scored a touchdown, huh? For the Bears, Trevor Simeon Toast Crunch was craving checkdown passes as he gave the Bears a 10-7 lead, throwing to Byron Pringle for a touchdown. But once he popped, they had to stop because the Bears couldn't score another point the rest of the way. The Jets then took off from there, dialing up a sequel to Wilson that was better than Zoolander 2. Then Elijah Mary Tyler Moore was able to make it after all, scoring his first touchdown of the season, leading 24 to 10. The Jets finished things off on the ground with Ty Johnson and Johnson, who made sure there were no more tears shed by Jets fans. The Bears lost 31 to 10. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Okay. I just want to get this. I want to get this out of the way. I don't understand. Like, okay, I do understand. But the amount of Jet fans that are just so happy, elated about this win. Oh, we finally got a quarterback. Pump the brakes. You're going against Bears, third, fourth stringers, guys that will never play football ever again. I said it a little bit earlier in the intro. It was like a preseason football game against an actual NFL roster. Mike White, like you do you, man. Like, But... Woof, this Bears defense is bad. Guys, I have, sorry, I don't mean to jump in, but the Rappaport just tweeted that Darnell Mooney likely needs season-ending surgery to report repair torn ligaments. 
a tough end of the season for the promising receiver. Honestly, I'm sorry. I, that's <laughs> honestly, no. you know what? My, my thought just immediately was go get rested, go get help. There's nothing to watch this season anyway with them. Please get healthy. Take all the time that you need rehab. Just enjoy your off season as best as, you know, someone getting surgery can. What a, I've no, I don't know as if I remember a time in which there has been so much bad luck for a, a single team. And I don't want to just cry refs or cry poor luck, but that's all. I mean, to have your, your, your backup, you know, have an oblique injury prior to the game and have to go to your third string and then the Meadowlands, they, it just eats football players apparently for lunch. Uh, it's so much bad luck. Wow. That's terrible news because this late in the season, there's very little chance. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have no idea. I'm not a doctor, but having season ending surgery this late in the season makes it pretty unlikely he's back for the start of next year. Right. I mean, depending on what it is that I, I mean, obviously if you're dealing with like a, a torn ACL or an Achilles injury, that could be something, you know, very severe where it could carry into uh, the 2023 season with an ankle injury with ligaments, to, you know, potentially torn. It's not really sure. I mean, we've seen guys like, you know, Dak uh, with his ankle in 2020, he, that was like in the middle of the season, he was able to come back to start the 2021 season, but you're right. It kind of does put some of that off season training in doubt. And it's, it really sucks for Mooney because he's eligible for a contract extension. And it sounds like the team and him want to get something done. Who knows how this kind of, you know, throws a wrench into things. So it just sucks. Like, you know, I mean, obviously, Dangle, you're right. He needs to get rested. Darnell Mooney, I think we know what he is as a receiver. It just stinks that we're not going to be able to see him continue to grow with fields for the rest of the season. So, Brendan, well, just double-checking what you just said, he is eligible this offseason for, for a contract negotiation. Yes? For correct. Extension? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he, he has one more year left. All right. So, boys, l- let's ask. Right now, today, would you re-sign Darnell Mooney to a contract extension? Let's go Jack, Brendan, Patrick, and I'll finish it up. Do we have any idea what he's going to demand on the market? What's he What's he looking at? Do you think as a, I'm, as a yearly? I'm going to guess probably between fourteen and sixteen million. If that's the price tag, then I say no. And I just, I mean, I I, I said this to you, I think Ryan, or actually, I was talking to Brendan on the phone. I, I do think it's very difficult to to get an accurate assessment of really anybody on offense, given the state of the offense, as it builds, we're going to be able to see what we have and don't have a little bit better, but Hey, as long as we're rebuilding, let's rebuild. Let's get a a rookie wide receiver on a rookie contract. I think you, I think you extend him. I mean, you have cap space to use. You have, we've talked about like the hundred billion dollars in cap space that's still only going to be, let's say it is like $14 million. I mean, that's still a fraction of what the space is going to be. I think he's shown to be a good number two wide receiver and a great number three wide receiver. You're going to need weapons. It's not like he, you're going to tie yourselves to Darno Mooney and Chase Claypool and not do anything else whatsoever. You need guys that can be effective no matter what. So I think it's, I think you definitely extend them and hopefully 
it's really hard to tell, especially, you know, before like the open market and everything, maybe it comes down closer to like 13 or something, but just kind of seeing how the wide receiver market is going. It just seems like 15, 15, 60 million could be that sweet spot. I think you have to, unfortunately the bears are in a predicament where they have a lot of holes to fill this off season. And it's probably going to be a multi-year task. They're not going to get everything done this off season. And we know the free agent class isn't great next year. They only have so much draft capital. Uh, So where are you going to plug these holes? And you need receivers. You need weapons for Justin Fields. They already needed to add weapons with Darnell Mooney in the fold. And now you're going to take him out. Um, Somebody who Fields has built some rapport with. I I think you have to, you have to resign him. Shells, you, you hit exactly what I was going to say is, the free agent market for wide receivers is thin at best. Now that's this year. Now the following year, I guess things could change, but I, I kind of am with the other two guys when with Brendan and shells, it just, it, it makes sense to just sign him and, and kind of see what happens. I, I think he's a good player. I think he's great, but I think he's a good player. So my question now, I'm going to put it back on you, Ryan. Do you try and get a deal done this off season and thinking he's going to command like 14 to $15 million, or do you let it go now into the 2023 season and say, okay, basically this is your audition. And then he might come back and he might like blow up, especially with another year in the system, potentially with another uh, player that's added to the receiving core. And then maybe you're looking at a guy who's commanding closer to like 17, $18 million. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Do you let the dice roll or do you try to lock them up early? It's tough because I think that pace would have waited and then overpaid for him where I wonder if polls doesn't say we got an opportunity to get him a little bit cheaper. If we sign him now than we do later on, Paul seems to be doing things the right way. I think that's where I would go with it. Key question here is what role does the jugs machine play in this? <laughs> Is, that, is, he the, is it the agent? Is it is it also a part of the signing? Is it a? I don't understand. Yeah, I think yeah. the signing bonus is uh, another jugs machine that he can take with on the road, so that way he can leave that one at home. Then done. Yeah, then I think it's a done deal. Boys, this might be one of the toughest rounds we've done. Not necessarily of the outhouse, but getting to the penthouse. Can we hit? Four things in the penthouse for this game. Ooh, boy. Patrick Sheldon is shaking his head. Yes, I don't know if I can agree, and especially as the guy who's got to go last. We're going to see how this is going to work. So, boys, it is time for the outhouse and the penthouse. The outhouse and the penthouse is brought to you by our guy, Jeff Cadwallader. Interest rates are up. Prices are up. Is real estate dead? It's not. When you have questions, Jeff Cadwalder with At Properties, Christie's Internationals has your answers. Jeff's 15 years of experience has been featured in Chicago Magazine and even Forbes because of his commitment to his clients. To connect with Jeff, visit GenevaJeff.com today. And when you do talk to Jeff, let him know that the guys at the Bear Down Chicago podcast say hello. All right, boys. So Bears lose big again. So let's go outhouse. Let's go Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright. Brendan Chagru, and I will finish it up. I'm going to put this broadcast team in the outhouse. And I know it's not game related, but I'm just really so tired of the anti-fields narratives. 
so the commentators today were Joe Davis and Gerald Johnston. And let's put aside the fact that uh, they can't get anybody's names right. Right. I think, what did they say? Roquan Williams. Um, it's just week in and week out. These, these broadcast teams clearly don't do their homework. But what really bugged me is the juxtaposition of the Zach Wilson narrative to the Justin Fields narrative. Zach Wilson, it was all about redemption. And this isn't the end of the Zach Wilson story. And this will be a learning opportunity for him. And and he'll get back on the field. Let's be real. The second overall pick was just benched because last week he gained 2.8 inches per play. He stinks. He's having a horrible year. Uh, There was a play last week that was a pass and he handed off to the running back. That's how out of sync this quarterback is with reality and with the NFL game and the speed of the game. And, and you would not know that from the way the commentators talked about him. And then for whatever reason, they decided to take 15 to 20 minutes to crap on fields and question whether the bears could ever win a super bowl with a quarterback that runs that much. Like talk about getting out ahead of your skis instead of them talking about a young quarterback who's developed with absolutely no talent around him, they chose to crap on him for 20 minutes. They mentioned how the bears have had six games where they've been uh, they've lost by one score and neglected to mention that the only reason they were even in those six games is entirely because of Justin Fields. Uh, So instead of talking about the, the growth of a young quarterback, how he's maturing, how he's carried a bottom three roster, uh, offensively for the last five, six weeks, they chose to, to question whether or not they can win a Super Bowl with a quarterback that rushes as much as he does. And, and it, when you look across the media, it just seems like there's a wave of negative sentiment against the Bears and against Fields. And I don't understand what it is that they should be the media darling. They've got a budding superstar in their hands, and yet they choose to crap on them every chance they get, and I'm tired of it. Someone you know, someone really sharp, tweeted, game gets ugly. Announcers begin filling airtime with analysis and narratives about teams they barely know. Why? Ratings? Create controversy? Couldn't agree with you more. Oh, oh that tweet was from, from me. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> As always, Jack is spot on. Thanks. And so humble. Incredibly (laughs) immodest. (laughs) Just ask me. Uh, Eddie Jackson's had a better year. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for the defense that he's played. We we chatted about him being a defensive MVP. He had a real bad series where, I mean, you miss an interception. Okay, you miss an interception. That one was, I think, was was catchable. sometimes his shoulder tackles work and sometimes they just don't. And uh, when he tries to shoulder tackle and it doesn't work, it really frustrates me because it looks sloppy. I don't think it's that difficult to shoot your arms and your hips and run your feet through a tackle. It's what you're taught from, you know, when you're in little league football too, you know, through high school, through college, through, through the pros. Then after he missed on that same play, after he missed that tackle, he did pursue, and then instead of trying to tackle the dude, the wide receiver carrying the ball, he tries to strip him. And luckily, somebody else tackled him. So, again, he's playing great. I hope he's not injured, but that specific series was awful, Freddie Jackson. So this game pretty much went as expected. I think a lot of us realized that the Jets would probably have a boost in the arm from Mike White. Their defense was going to shut down the offense. 
And you know what else went as expected? The MetLife playing surface was trash. Good Lord. So, I mean, this is this has been a point of contention this year uh, where a lot of like player agents and uh, NFLPA representatives have come out and said, this needs to change because the playing surfaces on some of these fields are dangerous. And we saw it today. We saw it actually twice this season because the Bears had a few injuries when they played the Giants earlier in the year back in October. And now on Sunday, you had Eddie Jackson exit the game. He was immediately ruled out. Looked like somebody suggested uh, our guy Mason West, uh, who's a PT, suggested it could be a list Frank injury. Others, it kind of looked like an Achilles to me, you know, non-contact, just going down, trying to backpedal and then, you know, sh- uh, shift directions. Darnell Mooney's injury was mainly just getting rolled up on, but there were other guys that were going down because that playing surface is just awful. And I know the conditions were bad, but you know what? You have to have a field that at least can hold up to a little bit of rain, a little bit. We're not talking about a monsoon here. Like the bears played earlier in the season. Okay. This is just a little, it's your standard rain. Okay. So I, I'm putting MetLife specifically their playing surface in the outhouse and maybe I'll just put the whole stadium out there because it's, it's just in the middle of New Jersey. Is it really, is it really that good? Is it? I don't think so. So Kendall Vildor, Jalen Johnson, the starting corners are in my outhouse. I know, I know that if the bears had a defensive line or they had any semblance of a pass rush, that these guys would be playing better, but they don't. And they are bad. Just bad. Jalen Johnson was shutting down everybody. They, people weren't even throwing in his direction. And now he's getting picked on. Kendall Vildor, at one point, boys, he gets a holding call and he gets beat. I, how is that possible? I, for, for a deep completion, I don't get it. I don't understand. These guys are not playing well. It really sucks. I like Kendall Vildor. I've said this multiple times on this podcast. He got drafted. I liked his video. We had a couple back and forth about him getting drafted, and I wanted him to play better. But if this dude is anything but a special teamer next season, we're in a bad, 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 bad way. All right, boys, let's go reverse order this time for the penthouse. Question mark. I'm Ron Burgundy. We're going to go Brennan Shagru, Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, and I will somehow maybe finish it up. Maybe. This one's easy for me. It's my guy, David Montgomery. He had his best game since week two, where he ran for over 100 yards against the Packers. He didn't quite get there against the Jets, uh, partially because the game plan was <laughs> was toast after they went down by big scores uh, early in the second half. But he had 14 carries, 79 yards, averaged 5.6 yards per carry. He was really having a lot of long runs that we haven't seen in a long time. He looked like his speed was there. He continued to show that his bruising ability to bounce off tacklers was there. He was pretty effective in the passing game, too. He had three catches for 34 yards, so he totaled over 100 yards from scrimmage on the day. And I think that's pretty important, especially when, A, Darnell Mooney gets hurt, and, B, you're you're starting a backup quarterback in Trevor Simeon, so you know your offense doesn't have the same juice that it would with Justin Fields. So uh, I was pretty happy with what David Montgomery did. And my penthouse is Jack, the Jackhammer, Sanborn. That a boy. That guy, I mean, for an undrafted free agent, he is really playing well. He had 15 tackles and one tackle for a loss. Plus, he's on punt coverage 
at the same time. So uh, as I sometimes like to say, Ryan Dangle, that dog can hunt. He is around the ball all the time, and he's just really, really glad to see him play defense. At least there's like somebody on the defense that um, is fun to watch and is aggressive and gets lots of tackles. Shells, before you hop in, I just there was one particular play where he looked like a running back finding a hole, hitting the running back behind the line of scrimmage. He just has a knack for the ball that I just didn't expect. And again, I apologize for all Jack Sanborn slander that I made at any point throughout the offseason. That dog can, in fact, hunt. In light of our conversation a second ago, when Jack did the pregnant pause after Jack, I thought he was going to put himself in the penthouse. <laughs> Anybody my else? Hubris, my hubris knows no bounds. <laughs> I put me uh, in the penthouse, guys. <laughs> I'm going to put contested contested catches in the penthouse. And part of me is just kind of pissed off right now because I watched a game today in which the receivers made three phenomenal catches in traffic that I don't think I've seen that many contested catches for Justin Fields all year. Uh, you know, first you had the one to, well, actually I can't remember the order, but you had the, the deep one on a 50, 50 ball to Claypool who made a great catch to come up with that on the pass interference by Gardner. Then you had what should have been an interception was a terrible throw by Simeon, uh, and somehow Byron Pringle came up with that for the touchdown. And then Pringle at the end of the game made another incredible catch in traffic where he got absolutely smashed. And I'm sitting here thinking Fields can't get his guys to catch wide open passes when he hits them in the hands. And these guys are like digging these passes out of nowhere. Uh, it was great to see. I hope it's a trend that continues, but I'm wondering where that's been all season. Uh, but at least for this week, I'm going to go ahead and put contested catches in my penthouse. Shells, I think that that really highlighted or continued to highlight that these dudes are not getting open. They had to throw mm -hmm. contested balls. He had to throw balls that should have been intercepted, but they but they made these contested catches. And yep. yeah, it was these these receivers. It's 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 a thing. All right, so I guess Armand Watts, defensive tackle with three total tackles, uh, two solo, one tackle for a loss, and this one, he had a sack. He had a sack. The Chicago Bears defensive lineman had a sack. Back. I um, think it's the first one since week six. Week six. <laughs> so week six. Okay, and as, I go back as the to the kids would say, bruh. Bruh, that's terrible. It's terrible. That's awful. He he's shown a couple a couple flashes here and there. So maybe as a fourth string defensive lineman that comes in as a situational guy next season. Okay, cool. All right. Boys, we got a pretty epic round of true false. So we'll hit the things that we missed at the end of it. Uh, we only had one submission from a listener. I think people are a little bummed that, uh, that, that, the game went the way that it did. And so Scott uh, Swartz, good friends um, of the pod. This was the most boring Bears game since the John Fox era. So let's go Brendan, Jack, Shells, and I will finish it up. False. I can count like five Matt Nagy games on one hand easily. I mean, sadly, that's where we were at. I mean, I can name them off if you want, but I'm just going to say false. <laughs> I've, we've seen some bad, boring football the last few years. I'm going to say true. What I've realized about the show and you guys is that your memory 
for past Bears trivia slash games is so much better than mine. It's a little frightening. There are things I can remember, and I do love this team, but I, I just I cannot go back in my mind and remember specific games, and I suppose especially if they were bad. Uh, it started out kind of exciting, this game, and then, yeah, got got super boring. So boring, I even put my clothes away. I put the radio on. You know that one thing around the house that you hate to do? I'll do the laundry. I'll fold it. I won't put it away. Guys, I put my laundry away while listening to our guy, Jeff Joniak. Jack, real quick, I thought you were going to say you put your clothes on like you were just hanging out, just, you know, <laughs> ready to go, man. We're going to have a big Bears game. Jack's had well, some good setups today. No no comment. Just leave that one out there for you. Jack, I'm I'm the same way as you. I don't have the recall of specific games, uh, probably because of how much I drink, but probably a variety of other reasons as well. I don't have the recall like uh, Dangle and Shagru have, but I can just remember a general malaise watching Bears football circa the last, I don't know, two decades. So I'm sure there are going to be more boring games in that span uh, than today. Um, I didn't have high expectations for today either, so that probably played a part in it. False, not John Fox bad, but this is by far the worst game of the season because we had no Justin Fields to watch. He's fun to watch even when the Bears suck. All right, we got a late submission. Thank you, TJ Brooks, good friend of the pod. Zach Wilson wouldn't put 30 points up on this defense if he had played. Sheldon Wright Shagru, and I will finish it up. True. He's really bad right now. Uh, And I say that as somebody who really liked him coming out of college, but there there is something not connecting Uh, whether it's between the years or it's an effort thing or a maturity thing. Um, He is in a bad way right now, and I don't see him getting out of it anytime soon. And certainly not this week after his performance last week where he put up, what was it? Six yards. Am I remembering that correctly? Was it six yards of offense in the second half? Something awful like that. Uh, Anyway, false. All right, true. I think you also said true, Shells. Well, I got you. I got your six. Okay. We so know true. what he meant. We got We did. It. Okay. So I he heard not... Woods put up. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, there it is. I, it's, I'm drunk. I'm, what, what can I say? I told you I drink a lot. That was a softball. <laughs> no, he, yeah, he's not getting it. You know, I mean, I'm glad that uh, Justin Fields fell to us. I'm glad that the Jets didn't uh, end up taking Fields. Thank you. Thanks, Jets. And, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the disconnect is. I don't really care. I mean, New York's a hard town to play in. There's no doubt about it, but uh, he's not a very good quarterback. Uh, he sat and watched today, and he's bad, so true. You really just had a feeling on draft night when he's standing around some of the other prospects, and they're, like, you know, put, giving thumbs up and doing, like, you know, different signs, and he's just looking around like, oh, God, where am so I? Awkward. What am I going to do? It was so, so awkward. awkward. Like a fish out of water. Like he's never been around, like, other people before. Um, definitely true. He would not have put up 30 points in a game this year or for, against the Bears. This Jets team, I think – was on the borderline of collapse slash mutiny if Zach Wilson was allowed back on the field as the starting quarterback for another week in the in a row. Just not only the play, but just how his teammates essentially bust tossed him. And I don't know if you saw the clip after the game with Mike White. All the guys came over and just like celebrated with him during the post-game interview. They seemed to really rally around that guy. And there's clearly some disconnect there. He wasn't even active, guys. 
he was inactive. Like they didn't even want him backing up Mike White. Like that's how bad it is. And also I think people have said he might have the yips, maybe kind of forgot how to play a little football. So for all of those reasons, even though the bears are bad and their defense is bad, I don't think he's putting up 30 points. Don't tell Chris Sims that. I don't think he puts up 30, but he might put up 24. This is a get right game for him. And it was a get right for any quarterback. Mike White looked like a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's not. He is a good quarterback. Maybe he's he's significantly better than Wilson. I mean, that's not, I don't think any anybody's contesting that in any way. But this Bears defense, it's Mel Tucker bad boys. Like I I I don't. I don't want to, like, I understand. I, I do it. I get it. I watch those games, the double 50 burger back to back. This defense might be worse. I, and I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, but they are a terrible, terrible football team. And I think they would have started, I don't know, name a random quarterback, like Nathan Peterman probably would have put up three tutties against this bears defense. All right, boys, we got another one. This one from our own Brendan Shagru. The Bears have the worst wide receiver group in the NFL without Darnell Mooney. We're going to let the man himself go. We're going to go Brendan Shagru, Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. So for just talking about wide receivers, not tight ends or running backs, I kind of think it's true. I mean, people, and, and we put this out on Twitter. A few people have said, well, what about the Texans? What about the Falcons? Both the Texans and Falcons have a true number one guy, and maybe there's not much around them, but like the Texans, Brandon Cooks is still a decent option, even though he's pissed about being in Houston still. Drake London is an ascending player in Atlanta. Darnell Mooney, we know he's not like the true number one receiver, but he was clearly the best option. And now maybe Chase Claypool gets there by the end of the year. Maybe the chemistry that grows, uh, we can kind of see it flourish. But right now, just with how, and I know Chase Claypool had a much better day on Sunday, but Claypool, Equinemia St. Brown, Valus Jones, Dante Pettis, Byron Pringle, that that's your room. Nikhil Harry, that's your receiving group. Like, tell me who else is worse than that? I, I think it's I think it's true, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm I'm going through this, Shiguru. I'm just looking at the teams. I think you might be right. And I'm hard pressed to find a team with worse wide receivers. Uh, maybe even with Mooney, <laughs> they're probably bottom five. Uh, though the Falcons are without Pitts currently, so you could make an argument the Falcons. Uh, because... He's a tight end, though. What's that? Pitts is a tight end. Oh, we're just talking wide receivers. Yeah, I'm just talking like wide receivers. Options, yeah, not... yeah. He's kind of a unicorn, though. He's like, he's almost like a Claypool. Like he should be a tight end, but he's. All right, so if we're just talking purely wide receivers, not going to count pits, then I think you have to say yes. I think the Bears have the worst wide receiver core. True. I think, you know, if the guy that you poached off of Pittsburgh is currently your best option, then that's a problem. It's the guy you poached off Pittsburgh and a bunch of, hey, let's give him a chip and a chair type of guys to see if they pan out or not. That's uh, That's not a pretty picture. True. Let's move on. This one makes me feel bad. All right, boys. This is one that 
as I started the game, I was trying to think about how to word this best, but we knew we were going to see, to some extent, a very different quarterback. Trevor Simeon is not a mobile guy. Not saying that he's immobile, but he's not Justin Fields. And so for this, I am curious to know, true or false, we learned something from Trevor Simeon starting at quarterback for this game. Let's go Jack, Sheldon, Shagru, and I will finish it up. I think it mainly reinforced something even that Shell's tweeted today that we all have said it. It's not a new idea that that Fields was carrying the steam on his back to a 30-point average for several weeks now through just sheer athleticism and uh, elite play. And I think when we see somebody somebody like Peterman uh, in that role, it makes it that much more clear that, you know, he is him. Fields is Fields is a good football player. We learned that Justin Fields is it. I mean, that's what we learned today. And I could almost feel the, uh, how do I want to put this? Certain people on Twitter getting almost to half mast after that first drive by Trevor Simeon, just waiting to explode <laughs> and talk about how, you know, the, the white quarterback Look at, look how he played. You know, they just, they wanted so badly to throw fields under the bus and to talk about how he's just a running back and you could see it. You know, I don't, you could, you could feel it, right. They were about to get so giddy and, and then reality happened. And uh, if you don't come away from this game, with a, a, an absolute um, understanding that Justin Fields is the entire offense by himself, then I don't know what you're watching. There, there's, there's no magic potion. There's no like, um, I mean, if there is one, he's it, right? There's no, no quarterback you're going to plug in there that's going to turn this, this team into something more than it is. Justin Fields has done about as good as you can do with, with what he has around him. And when you take him out of the equation, this is what you get. You get 10 points to 17 points a game. Um, and so if, <laughs> if he's not playing the rest of the season, it's going to be a tough watch guys. But I think we honestly learned that, that for all of his faults and the things that he has to, to grow uh, and improve on, he's still by far the best option on this team. I think we learned a few things and you guys touched on the positives where Justin Fields is the best player on offense, probably the best player on the team. And the offense moves as he moves. I mean, he's able to make magic happen. He's able to extend plays. He's able to let his receivers get a little more time, his running threat, all of that. I do think we also learned that he can improve in this West coast style offense of quick passes and, you know, maybe like decisiveness and timing throws. I mean, it's, we saw that early on with Trevor Simeon and yeah, it worked initially until the jets realized what was going on. And that the fact that Trevor Simeon can't move, he can't extend plays. And once some of that trickeration where those screen passes were taken away, then the offense fell apart, but that doesn't mean that fields can't look at that maybe and see what Simeon did and say, okay, this is an area of my game I need to improve on because we've said it like we know that field sometimes holds onto the ball too long. It's part of his growth and we've seen it 
We've seen his passing develop like crazy. It's gotten so much better as the season's gone on. So I think that's just something, maybe like a takeaway that, hey, when Fields comes back, that could get a little bit better. Yeah, I think, you know, the thing is, Fields doesn't have that West Coast background like Trevor Simeon does. He was drafted by Denver. Um, Shout out to Nate Atkins, who also writes for Bears Wire for pointing that out, that he grew up essentially as a professional under Gary Kubiak. And so he really kind of thrives more in this offense. But Fields is he's a special talent, man. And you don't want to bottle up that athleticism. You just kind of want to see maybe some of those things develop more and more. But we have seen it as the season's gone on. Brandon, I think you said it. It's just there's some stuff that he can do well. He could do better. Justin Fields could do a little bit better with this. And uh, Justin Fields is the only reason to watch this football team for the rest of the season. I want to throw one other thing in there. And if you look at that first drive by Simeon, you know if that was Fields in that situation, uh, those first couple series, people would find ways to minimize what he did. If he threw the pass that Simeon threw, that really should have been an interception. Even if it was a touchdown, people would be criticizing it, saying he never should have thrown it. If he had the same dump offs and screen passes that Simeon had, there'd be people saying, oh, he's not really reading the defense or he's not really throwing guys open. He was just dumping it off and got a lot of yards after the catch. I think I think the other thing I learned today is is when you watch other quarterbacks and you watch a lot of football. Uh, and you compare Justin Fields to them, you got to get out of the bubble and micro analyzing every single play that the kid makes and realize that other quarterbacks do a lot of the same stuff. Mahomes had a bonehead, a couple bonehead plays down by the goal line today, including an interception. Uh, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh my gosh, these guys, <laughs> they, they do make these kinds of mistakes. Oh yeah. I I thought about that too. Honestly, like if you watch a quarterback, because we're so ingrained with the bears, we are watching and dissecting every single throw. You do that with these other quarterbacks, like Justin Herbert, Mahomes, you mentioned you're, you're going to find a lot of flaws and then you're going to see those home run plays too. And I mean, then you look at those highlights, you're like, Oh, of course, you know, the chiefs won and Patrick Mahomes put up like 30 points because he's Patrick Mahomes. But when you do kind of see some of those plays, you you do see those like those errors. And you're right. He yep. had a bonehead throw in the end zone where that led to an interception. So I definitely agree with you, Shells. Like I'm not like, you know, saying anything's like wrong or anything. I just also see as we're nitpicking things with fields and he's checked off. I've always said I see it as a report card, kind of you're checking off the boxes of your mm-hmm. quarterback development report card. And he's doing that. I see some more boxes that can be checked off and that's, that's okay because he's still very, very young. He's not even through his second season yet. The last part is the most important, right? That's okay. I think that's what people have to keep in mind. It's okay that he still has time or still has things he needs to develop. He's in his second year. Two more true false for you boys. Luke Getze is a good offensive coordinator. Let's go. Brendan, Jack, Patrick, and I will finish it up. It's such a blanket question. That's hard. I guess I'll say true, but I understand that there's opportunities for improvement, especially situational play calling and offensive coordinating. Uh, I was going back and forth with uh, our guy, Devorey Nesby. He's, he's been saying how Getsy starts off great with scripts. Things kind of fall apart a little bit. He then regains it later in the game and then the fourth quarter happens and some 
<laughs> he forgets how to call play calls or something like that. And I know you guys talked about it at length last week against the Falcons. And I was able to see that and it was puzzling, but I think when you're talking about the overall picture, the big picture gets, I think he is a good offensive coordinator. He's putting in a good offense. He's teaching players. I think effectively too. We heard a story about Chase Claypool coming to the Bears and Getsy had made all these videos on helping him learn the offense. So maybe his play calling can be better, but I think overall he's a good offensive coordinator, especially honestly, especially with what we've seen fields do over the last five, six weeks, putting up all those points and yards. I mean, that doesn't happen by accident. I'm going to give him a true, I think I'll give him credit for a few things. First of all, doing the best he can with an anemic offensive roster. I mean, even if you look at the beginning of this game, it's clear they did their homework. It's clear they had a nice plan. I get that that was probably scripted, but we moved the ball down the field. We do tend to move the ball down the field on early drives at a pretty pretty good clip. He's not a square peg in a round hole type of guy so far. He's shown his ability to, to be flexible. We've said before he does have a knack for trying to put guys in a position to win. I don't love his red zone play calling. I feel like he gets a little bit gun shy in those situations. He doesn't get as he's not as aggressive in those situations as I'd like to see him be. I don't I wish we would go for the end zone a little bit more in those particular instances. And as I've mentioned several times, his the third and one and fourth and one or inches, just the entire regime. And if that's that's Luke Getzey, I'll give him the credit. I, we don't sit around and think about it. There's not a bunch of gimmicks. It's not too cute maybe today once, but just in general, if you look at the scope of the whole season, there's not as much doubt in those plays. There's not as much trepidation. We're going to usually get those third or fourth and inches and shorts by getting up to the line of scrimmage almost immediately and running straight downhill via QB sneak or under center handoff to the running back. So overall true. I don't like this question. It's a good question, but I don't like it because I've watched over the course of the last, you know, I don't know, see eight, nine games, 10 games, whatever it is. The tide turn from game to game, from where it's Getsy's going to be gone next year to Getsy's the worst offensive coordinator in the league to, oh, Getsy may get a head coach job, a head coaching job next year to, oh, now he's back to being one of the worst offensive coordinators in the league. And there's just such like a dramatic swing every week and evaluating this guy. And just like we said with Justin Fields, he has things that he needs to improve upon and he's still developing as a second year quarterback. Luke Getze is a first year offensive coordinator. He's still developing. It's okay. Um, I'm going to take the same tact with him that I took with Nagy in evaluating whether I thought he was a good coach. I said, look, I don't think Mitch Trubisky is a good quarterback. I'm not sure if Matt Nagy is a good head coach. I need to see him with a good quarterback to evaluate whether he's a good coach. And then when he got a competent quarterback play and was still a bad coach, then I said, he's a bad head coach, right? But I feel the same way about Getze. He has nothing around him. It, it would be like trying to take like the Iron Chef and saying, make a gourmet meal out of what you found in my refrigerator when I was in college like a, a three Chick-fil-A sauce packets, some baking soda to keep the refrigerator fresh and, you know, three Michelob ultras, right? Like, what are you going to do with that? Um, you may be a great chef and you may, you know, have unbelievable skills, but what are you going to do with that? And I think he's severely limited. And I think you see it in his play calling. There's not much he can do when your guys don't give the quarterback enough time for plays to develop or your wide receivers can't 
run the correct route or can't get separation when they do run the correct route. I mean, Jack, you tweeted out today, you've got a guy coming free off the edge and with nobody in the backfield and Borum just, what was he doing? I mean, when you've got your offensive line and your players doing those kinds of things, it gives you pause as an offensive coordinator to put in plays that may take time to develop or may involve a little bit of creativity. Cause you're like, these guys literally can't get the blocking and tackling down. We need to get the blocking and tackling down before we can get to the next phase of this offense. And so I, I it's a great question, but I think it's a big incomplete as of right now, because he just doesn't have anything around him. Before Ryan gets into his point to that point, shells, do you guys remember all the, the pre-snap confusion happening today? When after Darnell Mooney came out, there were no like veteran receivers that they had to burn timeouts. It was chaos. Like think about that and yeah. trying to then run an offense and making sure you can have some of those complexities when your team can't even get it right before the snap. Yeah. I, I watched Pettison and Claypool talking to each other. Both of them look completely confused. I'm like, this is like the blind leading the blind. I mean, right. they had no idea what they were doing. Um, I was like, who knows what route to run? Anybody? Does anybody know where to line up? I'm going to say false as of right now, which is crazy because I have been the Luke Getzey fan club for a while, but I think it is exactly what you just talked about, Patrick Sheldon, the inconsistency. At times you're thinking this dude is just fantastic. And then a couple plays, you just go, huh? But I do think that he can be, I, I really, really, really do. I think he is learning. I think it's everything that you guys have already said. But I, I come back to this. Why can't these wide receivers ever get open? Like, I, I don't I don't understand that. And I, I'm trying to understand, is it offensive line play? Is it the wide receivers themselves? Is it the scheme? Is it the play calling? Is it some combination of all of those things? I, I really, I don't know. And I do think to some extent that it might be scheme and some of the things in which he's calling. I do have to say this about Matt Nagy. There were a couple times where he would scheme a dude wide open and it would seem like it would happen like two or three times a game. Mitch would miss him or something to that effect. And, you know, I just, I think that they're all learning and they're all developing. Now, boys, this last one, I think, leads right from that one. And this is this is the one that I that I'm really, really curious to get your thoughts on. And boys, this entire coaching staff is back next season. For this one, let's go Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright, Brennan Chagru, and I'll finish it up. Absolutely true. I mean, who's going anywhere? Do we think they're gonna get fired or, or are we thinking? that there's an opportunity for one of them to go get promoted somewhere else. I, I don't think either's likely at all. I, but there's no chance that anybody is getting fired. Um, and I don't see anybody getting a promotion opportunity. You need continuity. The worst thing that the bears could do is make a move and, and disrupt the infrastructure that they have around Justin Fields. They've made progress. They've shown that they can adapt their play calling to, to fit his skill set, something that the last regime was incapable of. They have shown the ability to do things that we've wanted offensive staffs to do for a while, uh, but they're new, right? And so any move to, to can any of these guys in the offseason, I think would be such a knee-jerk reaction, way too premature, uh, and would be a mistake to do that too soon. I'm going to say false, and here's why. I think 
that what we've seen from this staff is they're really great at self-scouting. And I think as they go through the progression of the year, even though they were handpicked for Flus's staff, it's inevitable that some guys aren't going to be working out. The other thing that I would add is that Flus puts a high priority on the relationship of a position coach and that position coach's players. And so especially if there's an instance in which he thinks that falls short, I could see that there might be a change. I, I just don't think there's any way that that a hundred percent of these these guys are, are back. I don't see big moves at any of the major OC, DC, or HC positions, but I can see moves being made at other spots. False. And pretty much what Jack was going into with there's a lot of guys on the coaching staff, guys. I mean, we're not talking about just the special teams coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator. I mean, I can't sit here and say that. James Rowe, the defensive backs coach, he's going to be back. I mean, what about defensive quality control, Ronyel Williams? I don't know. I mean, or assistant special team coach, Carlos Polk. Valus Jones keeps dropping punts and everything. He got demoted. I think there's there's guys that are going to be let go or move on or whatever. Like, there's just – it can't happen. I don't think I've ever seen a coaching staff bring back 100% of the staff, guys. And I'm not, I'm not even going into, like, the – the assistance assistance or something, but like even those guys, yeah, there's, there's definitely possibilities that um, a few are gone. So, so did I miss the spirit of the question? Yes. I, all of you did. And that's totally <laughs> fine. That's totally fine. You know what you think you like, I've got it. I've got the perfect question. And then all of you guys just totally derailed it. So that's, that's totally fine. I guess I was talking the, the, the big three. So talking special teams, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. And I guess I would say this, I'm wondering if there's going to be to some extent a sacrificial lamb because they've been so terrible. I think they're going to all stick around because polls understands how terrible this roster is. And it's tough to evaluate based upon that having a terrible, terrible roster, but there's been some things boys, Alan Williams, like I'm not sold on this, this guy. I understand he doesn't have the ponies, but I think even when the defense was playing okay in the beginning of the season, it was always the second half. It was never the first half of the game. They, they made adjustments in the second half that were really awesome, and that's the anti-Naggy. But I don't know that this is the right scheme. I don't know. I mean, it's it's so tough to evaluate because they have such garbage players but I don't know that I'm sold on, on him as the defensive coordinator. Now, is he probably going to get fired? No, because I know him and Flus are tight, but he's, he hasn't been good this season. He hasn't. No, he hasn't. So first off, that's on you for not reading the question correctly, Mr. Dangle. <laughs> but I, I love you too, sir. But in the And we'll talk about Williams because I think this is like the biggest thing where this question goes because he is the biggest culprit or the person who could be on the chopping block. I do think he gets one more year because this was a transition season. They don't have the horses. They traded away, guys. I think it is kind of fair where two of your defensive leaders get moved midseason and you're then firing the guy for trying to come back from that. But next year when you're going to be at least at the very least competitive. You would think that's going to be the, I guess the final stand for him. And he's only been a defensive coordinator once before, and that lasted two years in Minnesota and that kind of flamed out too. So I think if you're saying 
is he going to be gone after the 2023 season? I would probably put my money down and say yes, because I don't see him being like the special defensive mind, but he does get another season. Boys, thank you very much uh, for some excellent insight as well as deconstructing my questions. I'll try to be better about how I ask them for the future. Now, boys, it's time to hit anything that we missed. And uh, I'm going to go first uh, for this one. Just I'm really thinking about next week. After that, we'll go Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright, Brennan Chagru. And so for me, boys, I just have gone so much back and forth on what's going to happen next week. And I've gone from, I'm so excited. Justin Fields is going to carry this team. We're going to finally outscore and outlast Green Bay to, I'm just, I'm worried that this is going to be Mel Tucker bad, that that this is going to be Tressman bad, that Aaron Rodgers is licking his chops with this putrid, awful, terrible. I don't have enough words to describe how bad this defense is, how bad specifically the secondary is. And even with his broken thumb, if that's really what it is, that he's he's going to find a way to score a whole lot of points and make our lives miserable. I understand draft position. And, and I, as we watch these games, I try to be objective, but I'm still a fan. And I don't, I, I get them losing out to get the number two overall pick. I get that. I do understand the logic, but I don't want to watch that. I don't want to see it. I, I'm a fan. I love this team and I would like to see them beat Green Bay and then lose out for the rest of the season. I alluded to it. Well, I didn't allude to it. I said it earlier. The Bears have lost half of their games by one score. I know it seems bleak right now. I know things seem awful. I know we have a lot of uh, negatives tonight because the game was terrible. But let's try to put things in a perspective a little bit as you watch the rest of the season and and remind yourself that they are, are, are uh, I don't want to say close, but when half of your your losses are by one score, you flip half of those and the season looks a lot better, right? You flip all of them, you find a way to win those games. The season looks pretty damn good. And they're doing it with absolutely nobody on the roster. So that's what I've been trying to tell myself week in and week out. They're close. They're hanging in these games because of Justin Fields. You get him some help and think what they can do next year. So that's my my big takeaway uh, from this week and what I'm going to try to think about as we roll into Packer week. I'm still pretty new to this world, but I'm keeping track of the worst takes that I've seen so far Uh-oh. about the Bears. And first of all, the worst take, the worst two is the uh, it wasn't Justin Fields' fault for missing the wide open tight end like that was I just mystified me I still don't understand why that was a debate and I will never understand the Justin Fields should be shelved for the rest of the year debate I'm sorry I just I I I think I've built enough equity up to say that I am an open-minded person who enjoys debate about football but that to me just it it revealed just a complete lack of understanding of the game that goes beyond and I, I what was really surprising to me was how hard people steered into it that he should be shelved and uh i I, don't, I guess i don't want to go into it too much because i think it's probably run its course but i just that that really mystified me i, I got called a meathead for saying that if he's healthy he should play so okay but those are the two worst takes i've seen easily I know, Jack, you and I talked about that earlier this week, and I'm 100% with you. I, I think, yes, he wasn't cleared medically to go this week. It was an easy decision. If he's cleared next week, you play him. 
this is not a finished product yet. Justin Fields still has, he has to develop. And I know some of the chips are stacked against him now, especially with Darnell Mooney being out likely for the season, but you still got to keep going for the rest of the season. There's, there's no reason to, to shelve him for the final, like what, six games or so, but I'm with you. I have four things quick. First off, I don't think I've ever seen a team mangle or just kind of mess up their quarterback starting at the beginning of the game, like the bears did today. So the, they announced that Justin Fields is inactive and that Trevor Simeon's going to start an hour before game time. Then you hear it's Nathan Peterman. Who's going to start. And then reports come out saying, well, we don't know who's going to start. They're just going to flip a coin. Whoever grabs a helmet first and runs out. That's just unbelievable. And I know injuries happen. I don't know what the hell that was about. It was just, it was very naggy esque for this for a coaching staff, and I'm not necessarily blaming anybody in particular. It was just weird, and I was just like, "Of course, that's happening during this game." Uh, before he got hurt, Darnell Mooney did not register a target. I believe that's shocking, and I know the Bears didn't necessarily light it up by throwing the ball much, but when your number one wide receiver doesn't register a target, it's just weird. I think it was forty plus games he had recorded a reception and that was broken today. Right. And even, even not getting a throw, it's, it's just seems unconscionable. I, I don't understand it. And it's not like the bears were leading really for more than a couple minutes. So don't really get that. Uh, we need to see more of Darrington Evans. I thought he played much, much better than Tristan Ebner. I actually thought he played really well in the preseason and I thought he earned a roster spot. He was on the practice squad for most of the year, but they went to him a lot more than Ebner. And I thought he showed a little bit more explosiveness and was a better asset in the passing game. So hopefully we see him. And then lastly, we touched on it, but if Eddie Jackson did suffer potentially, and we don't know what it is yet respect, I'm speculating if it's something like an Achilles injury, that is something that could really carry into next season. And I think that could be catastrophic for this defense because yeah, he had a rough game before that, but Eddie Jackson's played really, really well. And now what, what's his future could potentially be in doubt with the bears. I don't know. I'm just, we have to see what more comes out of it, but it was just a really, really sad situation for a guy who's gone through so much over the last 12 months was fi- finally playing back to his potential. And now this happens. So it really stinks to see. All right, Jack, what do you got for us this week? Jack's question is, what is your all-time favorite video game and why? This was inspired by my friend Ryan Dangle, who said he was playing his Oculus today, the, the new NFL game. That sounds pretty cool. What, what quarterback were you? you well, were obviously, I'm Justin Fields, and obviously, I'm trying to carry the Bears to uh, to a Super Bowl. So I'm like four games in at this point after have, getting on like uh, Thanksgiving night. It's fun. It's awesome. definitely not Madden for anybody that's wondering. It's you just you're sitting back there and you're trying to throw to people, but it's cool. It's you look around. It's like, oh, I'm in Soldier Field right now. And it it's pretty realistic from from that regard. It's it's cool. It's cool. That's awesome. Ryan, you would you like to go first? Do you have one in mind or need a little time? The one that just came to the top of my head was Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, I just absolutely loved that game. Sega Genesis was, that's the time in which I kind of came into video gaming. I was never a huge gamer, but that was just one that, I don't know, I just really, really liked it. I know people were into the Mario thing and that was cool, but I just really liked Sonic the Hedgehog. So yeah, that's for me. It's a good one. Fast paced. Shells, what do you got? 
I don't like this question either because I can't limit it to just one. This is incredible. Uh, man. All right, I'm going to give you one, and then I got to get a couple honorable mentions. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go contra uh, for my for my best game, just because like Great it was choice. one of the yeah the the code was like th- that was like the first cheat code that I can remember. I think there was one yes. for Mike Tyson's punch out that you could use too, but contra was like the first big cheat code, uh, and now they're kind of like running the mill. But contra was awesome. Blades of Steel. For me, the hockey game, I used to love playing that. And Mike Tyson's punch out in my basement. I used to stay up late playing Nintendo. And then another honorable mention is GoldenEye. That ruled the day in college. I played that constantly. Uh, I mean, gosh, we would be up like 14 hours playing GoldenEye. It was such a fun game. And I have very fond memories thinking back to to that um, playing GoldenEye in college. So but if I have to pick one, it's going to be Contra. So wild. Contra is going to be my number one. I'll choose another one, but for a two dimensional game, it was up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. Yep. Sure. What do you got? I'm with shells. This is really, really difficult. So I'll say the one that did jump to mind first. I don't know. Maybe if it's like my favorite, but star Wars battlefront two for the PlayStation two. I'm a little younger than you guys. So <laughs> I was going to say, we're all dating ourselves. <laughs> so that was, I spent hours and hours playing that. The first Battlefront was awesome. Battlefront 2, though, when you can fight as like the Jedi and like just play Galactic Conquest, play a ton of maps, do like space battles. It was awesome. But I'll kind of, I'll also say any Super Smash Brothers from Nintendo to the GameCube to the Wii and even uh, the Switch, all of that. I We played that. That was our college game. So we played that just hours and hours. We'd play in between classes. Um, my main was Kirby. So, But I wasn't a guy who always did the rock because I know people are probably like, oh, you just wanted to you know, rock people and smash people. I was like, no, I was a much more articulate Kirby player. It was much better than that, believe me. So I think that, and then another honorable mention uh, was Grand Theft Auto 3. I, th- I That was one of the first time, that was the first Grand Theft Auto I played. And I played it when I was like, what, 13 years old and didn't get half the references, but it was, it was so fun. <laughs> what do you, that's where Shell's got all of his material. Exactly. I know. I know. Shell's wrote half the game. Cut his teeth. <laughs> Well, talk about aging yourself. I suppose that I will quite, I mean, I was, my timeline of video games is from the dawn of video games, quite literally, whatever the television game with, with the Pong, you know, followed up by the Atari with like Pitfall and Dig Dug and oh, Galactica, all of those. What games. now? So, yeah, no, Galactica, Battle. What was The it? one before that. N- never mind. So. <laughs> What that's were you playing? That's a different <laughs> junior high story. So, Whoa anyways, boy. oh boy, here we go. Uh, original versions of Madden, uh, when it was, uh, I don't know, Sterling Sharp. You you picked Christian Okoya and just destroyed everybody, or Bo Jackson. <laughs> and again, that was two D. You ran like up and down the screen, bottom to top. It was so crazy. The other, only other one I would mention is I never had a knack for first-person shooter games or any type of quest games, but for some reason I was able to play, I think, one of the early iterations of God of War. 
I guess I just mentioned that one because I I am really bad at those types of games. I could never never really master them. So I like I like that one. The new one looks cool. It's kind of got me intrigued, but I don't really game too much. I I, I got to give a shout out to to Madden. I yeah, there were honestly parts of of the game of football that I didn't totally understand until I played the game. And then, you know, obviously, as you're watching, you're like, oh, yeah, that's why that is the way that it is. And so, yeah, there's there's a love there for sure. I broke Madden 02, basically, because I made David Terrell and Marcus Robinson just all still like elite, <laughs> elite wide receivers without like cheats or anything like that. And I made the best trade ever. I traded Shane Matthews for Peyton Manning straight up. Nice. That's yeah, that's totally going to fly. That's totally going to work. <laughs> all right. A great question, Jack. Yeah. Thank you. Boys. Video game draft in the offseason. Yeah, that's a good idea. Ooh, yeah. Oh, and Jack, did your uh, takeover episode is happening soon during the offseason. Are you are you ready for that? Uh and by offseason, I mean the bye week, not the offseason. The bye week, yes. Also, a quick nugget. Uh I, I know I have a friend who uh is a friend of someone who's the Bears chef. So I thought that'd be kind of a cool, maybe possible interview in the offseason. I would I would like to know about their food habits. That'd be briefly, cool. maybe not who, for an entire who hour. eats like a five year old. <laughs> <laughs> right. God, I hope they put ketchup out for the hot dogs. I like chicky oh. nuggets. No, just why we were doing so good. And then you had to do that. <laughs> All right. So, boys, it is time for shout outs. Now we're going to shake this up a little bit because I need to go first. Um, and the reason I need to go first, well, first quick shout out to my uncle, Mikey got to watch the game with him today. Uh, went over to my mom's place. And it was really fun. Uh, surprised me. Hey, uncle Mikey's here. Big bears fan. We got to talk a lot of bears. Uh, but my shout out goes to the people, the listeners that gave us 10,000 downloads boys less than a year. I, I, it, it just blows my mind when we start thinking about this and how many ridiculous, like so many bears podcasts that are out there. We had 10,000 downloads. We are being listened to on every single continent, except for Antarctica. I'm seeing some of the, the, the numbers that come in people. You're some of you are listening. The second the episode goes live, you, you cannot put into words how much that means to all of us. And so we're just so unbelievably thankful for all of you that are listening to this episode to all of our episodes it it means more than any of us can say so thank you thank you thank you to all of them from here let's go brendan jack and shells you're going to finish it up just to add on what you said i mean we've been in existence for like six seven months like way less than a year so the fact that we have over ten thousand listens is is really incredible so thank you to everybody for sharing it, for talking about it. I have friends that text me a few days later, like, oh, I love this on the podcast, love that. And, you know, it's really cool to hear. So, and we see now the numbers back that up. So again, just echoing what Ryan said, thank you. My shout outs quickly. First to uh, my boss, Alyssa Barbieri. She is a huge Michigan Wolverines fan. Of course, the big game happened this weekend. And I personally don't have a dog in the fight. Uh, my new sister-in-law and part of my family are big Ohio State fans, but I love to see chaos. And I just love seeing everybody, both of those fan bases, jump down each other's throats. So it was fun to kind of egg them on and see Michigan win. And you could just say, hey, Justin Fields beat Michigan and CJ Stroud didn't. Not to you know 
go against him, but it was fun to see. So shout out to Alyssa. I know she was thrilled because she, like I said, is a big Michigan Wolverines fan. And then my other shout out goes to my buddy, John Porvazonic. I actually don't know how to say his last name, but he's become a buddy of mine over the last few years. Um, I met John through my friend, Kevin, and uh, he's actually his cousin, I believe. And we just started, you know, hanging out when we, uh, get into group gatherings. Uh, we went out for Kevin's birthday last night. So John and I got a chance to catch up and obviously a big bears fan, uh, just mentions how much, you know, he, he reads our stuff. He, you know, follows our, follows us and gets bears information from us. So uh, it was good to see John again and just wanted to thank him for, for being such a big fan and able to talk bears with somebody. It's fun, you know, just talking bears when you're out at a bar. Sadly, this is my final shout out for the Sycamore Spartans football team. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, they, they lost uh, a week ago, but I, I wanted to just mention quickly a shout out to all the public schools who played in the in the IHSA postseason and a brief editorial. Six of the eight schools, there's there's eight classes for those of you who don't know, were private schools. And I, I just there, there needs to be a change in the way in which the the system is developed. I, I feel bad for those pri- those public school kids who you know, faced buzzsaws that were private schools. There's no boundaries for those schools. They get to recruit uh, within 30 miles of their home school. I'm not a big, that's not fair guy, because there's a lot of that goes on. But I just, I guess because I had a dog in the fight, it just doesn't feel as fair. I wish like, I would have loved to have seen my guys play in the in the championship. Uh, shout out to those of you that came to my defense for a specific Twitter troll today. I've got a great inner family, and I really appreciate uh, all of you for just being like, hey, don't pay that chach any mind because he don't matter. And so that that's kind of a cool thing when you, you kind of develop this crew on on, on Twitter that uh, that has your back. So I appreciate uh, those of you that came to my defense today. There are a lot of chaches on Bears Twitter, there too. Are. There, are no, there is no shortage. <laughs> uh, actually, I shouldn't say that. A lot of them aren't even on Bears Twitter, but let's just say Twitter in general. So, yeah, that is a cool, a cool thing, uh, Jack. I've got a few shout outs, so bear with me. I missed last week. I apologize. As some of you may know, it's because I was in Atlanta for the game. So I first want to shout out the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, It was a phenomenal experience. I've been to a lot of uh, stadiums, not just NFL, but just away uh, stadiums, I'll say, um, visiting my team. And they were by far the most gracious, nicest, sweetest fans that I've I've um, I've ever ever interacted with at an opposing team's uh, home stadium. They were just super nice and gracious. Everybody at the stadium, every employee was phenomenal. Uh, the game didn't end the way we wanted it to, obviously, but just from an, an experience standpoint, it was it was great. The stadium was beautiful. Um, I thought they did a really nice job interacting with the fans and some of the battle of the bands they had at halftime was pretty cool too. Uh, so we got a kick out of, out of all that stuff. Uh, I will also shout out the, the mystery guy who gave my son the, uh, the bears turnover chain thing that I'm wearing right now. Uh, I asked him where he bought it and I said, Hey, I, my son really likes your chain. Can you tell me where you got it? And I was totally expecting him to like tell me the website or something, and he just took it off and handed it to him, and it it made his day. Uh, would not give me his name so I could shout him out. Would not take a picture. Didn't want any recognition for it. Uh, so I'm going to shout him out as the mystery man. I uh, thought that was really cool, and I appreciate it. That's so uh, cool. shout out. What's that? Sorry, that was just so cool. It, it was good, dude. It was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. 
Um, and you stole your son's chain now. Come on, man. <laughs> he's asleep. He doesn't. He doesn't know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> shout out to my wife. Uh, we brought our our little one with us to the game, and he didn't last very long. Uh, didn't care for what he was seeing on the field from the offensive line. So he decided he wanted to leave like midway through the first quarter. And my wife is a saint and uh, walked back to the hotel with him so I could stay with my other two boys to, to watch the game because she knew, uh, you know, how much it meant that, you know, we've been planning the trip for a while. Frankly, actually, we were supposed to go to this game back in 2020 when COVID ruined it. So it's been a, a long time coming. Uh, so shout out to her as well. Uh, shout out to the, the staff at the College Football Hall of Fame. Again, just super interactive and friendly and knowledgeable about uh, their Hall of Fame and and so willing to share all the information they have. Uh, we really appreciate that. And then last but not least, uh, I know I've shouted out this account uh, before, uh, but I want to shout him out again. Uh, Frozen Warrior, he's at on Faltering One. We have just wonderful conversations on Twitter, and I'll venture to say 90% of them aren't even about bears football or football at all they're just really cool conversations and uh goes back a little bit to what you said jack just some of the cool things about this app it could be a drain sometimes and it could be a wasteland uh and there was a time not too long ago where we thought it might be going away and if it did it's interactions like this that i would really miss um you know people that i've never met before that you you kind of feel some kind of connection to them because of conversations like this that you have um, and things that you learn from other people that you wouldn't have had the opportunity to interact with, but for this crazy bird app. So, uh, shout out to you, uh, really appreciate our interactions and, uh, shout out to our listeners. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. And again, thank you for, uh, the support. 10,000 downloads is phenomenal and, and means a lot to us. Frozen warrior. If you're in Chicago land, especially if you're in the burbs, uh, let me know I'm buying you a beer. I just can't say enough good stuff about that, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've said it a million times. We say at the end of every episode, there are so many places you get your Bears content. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast means so much. If you could, please share it with a friend. Hit like, hit subscribe, rate it five stars, whatever it would take. We would really, really appreciate it if you would do that. For all of us here at the Bear Down Chicago podcast, that's Logan Bradley, Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon. I'm Ryan Dangle, folks. Thank you so very much. And as always, Bear Down Chicago.